0: Thank you for joining me in another episode of my podcast, Until Divorce Do Us Part. My name is Finest, and I'm a divorce coach, life coach, and mom to two fantastic kids. On this podcast, we'll be talking about all things divorce and life lessons. Today, we'll be talking about the emotional component of divorce, how and why it can affect you, and what you can do to help yourself. So stay tuned. I'll be right back after this. Welcome back and thank you for joining me. My name is Finest and I'm a divorce coach. And today I'll be talking about the emotional component of divorce, which will be a multi-part series because of its importance. I won't be doing a back-to-back series though, but I will touch on this again at another point in this podcast. So let me start by saying that not only is the emotional component of divorce The hardest part of the divorce process, but it's the part that lasts the longest. It's at the very beginning in the marriage. The emotions are in the divorce and even in play after your divorce. And so, even if you've moved on from your divorce, the lingering emotional feelings are still there. They may not be as intense, but you may still have that feeling of unease when you talk about your divorce or when you see your ex with another partner or just seeing your ex. So the emotional part is what breaks down the marriage and what can potentially break down any relationship you can have with your ex beyond the divorce. So I'm going to start by saying that the emotional component of divorce is one of the biggest parts and one of the biggest obstacles to a successful divorce. Now, I don't want to confuse anyone by thinking that what I mean by successful is that someone won like you're at the casino in Vegas, because in divorce, there is no winner after you've fought for potentially years in court. When you lose the marriage, which you both do, you both lose. Some people think that if you won more money, that you won, or if you got most of the child custody, that you won. But the wear and tear on your emotional state more often than not takes a toll on your physical health. That's just a fact. Your emotional state and your physical health are linked. So if you suffer emotionally, there'll be some sort of physical health issue that might need to be addressed. When they say, and who is they? I don't know. But when they say stress kills, stress kills. And I've seen this more often than not. And you can ask anyone who has gone through an acrimonious divorce process if they have come out on the other side without some kind of physical health issue in addition to the emotional wear and tear. And all of that fighting was mostly emotional fighting. Your emotions getting the better of your judgment because we oftentimes want to get even with our exes, right? And I'm talking emotionally even. So as an example, we know how much he loved that vintage car that he spent years fixing up. And we know he can't afford to buy us out of that car. So what do we do? We force a sale of his beloved vehicle because we want to get back at him for whatever emotional damage he did to us during the divorce or whatever he did that you haven't recovered from. And our biggest and best compensation is to see him suffer the way you think you suffered during the marriage. And the only way to do that is to get rid of something he loves. And conversely, How many men have forced the sale of the house, not because he needed the money, but because it would force her to give up something she loved? Again, emotional compensation, which oftentimes trumps financial compensation. That very need to see the one you once loved suffer is what makes for a contentious divorce. And some of us might say, that's not what I did or do. And in order to hide from this, We hide under the umbrella that the court loves to talk about, which is what is in the best interest of the children? And that's if you have kids. And instead of hiding under the truth of the I'm feeling actual emotional pain umbrella, you hide under the umbrella that sounds good, the one that sounds better. The best interest of the children sounds better, right? So just because you think it's in the best interest of the children doesn't make it so. And sometimes it's just as simple as wanting to see your ex in pain, see them suffer so that you can feel vindication of the years of emotional baggage you carried during the marriage. And it's hard to tell which umbrella you're hiding under when you are overcome with emotions. And that's what makes this component of divorce so difficult. You're blinded by what transpired in the marriage that went unresolved and you need some form of resolution. And this is the recipe for a disastrous divorce. And just know this, if you couldn't resolve issues in the marriage, there is little if anything you can do after the marriage is over and you're physically separated where tensions are running high. So the emotional attachment to the pain you felt in the marriage continues through the divorce and more often than not after the divorce. So many of us know that we're feeling pain But we don't know what to do with the emotional pain of divorce. So we go through loops of thought, loops of pain. We ruminate in a cycle of the same thought every day. Thoughts that have no resolution. Thoughts that only have questions. And this is what keeps us fixated emotionally in the divorce. That endless cycle of thinking and rethinking the same thoughts, which does not allow you to move forward. So now you have a personal inner battle to wage as well as the one you wage with your ex. So this emotional battle is very similar to losing someone who's passed away. And we all know that there are five stages of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. We also know you may not go through all five and maybe not in that order. But the goal is to get to acceptance. The goal is to get to acceptance when all is said and done, because without it, you're kind of at an emotional standstill. So in divorce, although the person hasn't passed away, you still have that feeling of loss and go through the same stages of grief as you would losing a loved one. Perhaps not as intense, of course, as losing someone forever, but it will be a similar feeling of loss because, you know, you have to remember that at one point this person was your loved one and you're losing something that was important to you. And in this case, you're not only losing your loved one, but other things in addition to your soon to be ex. You'll be losing family time because during divorce, your family time could be split in half with the kids. You'll be losing the shared friends because your friends may not be able to be on both sides, especially if there's contention in the pending divorce. So they'll be asking themselves, which one do they choose? Which one was your friend the most? So it's a tough position for your friends to be in. And then, if you got along with their family, you're losing their family because they will oftentimes take the side not of who was right, but who is closest to them. And for me, I lost my ex's family. They didn't even want to know what my side of the story was. I was just out. And that hurt because it took a long time for me to build a relationship with them in the first place. And with just one word, that word divorce, All of that work was undone and it's not something you can prepare for because you felt like a part of the family and just with one word, you became nothing to them. And with some families, you even become the villain and their family is fighting you alongside your ex. And the other thing that you lose is your household, your family. And so good or bad, it was something you were accustomed to and change is hard Hard enough for you to talk yourself out of the divorce with questions like, where will I live as we can't afford two separate households on our income? What will happen to my health insurance? I'm on his or her insurance and I need that health care. What will I do? What will happen to the house? What will happen to the kids? That's if you have them. Then you throw in your age in there. So yes, a lot of people stay in bad marriages because they say their age and it's not 30, right? (laughs) you just give up and say, well, I've only got a few years left, so I might as well stay in this rather than go out and maybe, just maybe, see a better life for myself in my final years. And I've heard stories of adult children of parents who decided to stay together. And I wonder how many of them were thinking about their age and their finances and the dark side of divorce that made them stay in a bad marriage. Because those adult children believe it was to their detriment the children's detriment that the marriage was maintained. So imagine that. Imagine if you could ask your kids, will they be okay in the future for you to get divorced? How many of us would actually be okay divorcing now versus staying in something where the children say later on that it was a bad idea? So, and then I was talking about when you say your age, and I think the age thing is mostly a female issue because in general, it always has been, right? <laughs> you see in the movies, the older men are desirable, sexy, and married. And the older women are just old women, grandmothers who live along with their cats. And so men are more likely to date again, even marry again, even have more children in their 50s and 60s, right? So it may take, particularly in this case, a woman a while to say that they're done with the marriage, not only because of the dating scene. Because that's not all there is, right? But it's bad enough. But financially, as they get closer to retirement, what will a job look like if they haven't been in the workforce for years? So you'll have the swings of saying yes to the divorce today and then fear sets in the next day and you seize up and can't move forward with the divorce. So let's say you've decided that divorce is inevitable. Then what becomes your focus? For me, my focus was on my kids. How would I tell them that their family was going to change? How would they cope with the loss of the family as we knew it? And how would they do? Because let's face it, we all look at how other families are doing when we're going through something like this. So I began looking at other families at my kids' schools a little bit more closely. Was anyone going through anything that I could tell? Did I see one parent more than the other or not see the parents together at all? And as sad as this is to say, I needed company in this divorce. I needed validation in a way that divorce wouldn't be the end of my world, but the beginning of something better. And I needed to know what was the worst that could happen by checking out all of the divorced people at the school and seeing how they were doing. Did they survive their divorce? In other words, did they look like death warmed up and would that be me? I wanted to make sure we weren't the only ones for all of our six, so that my children couldn't say I was the only one doing this bad thing called breaking up the family. Because Divorce is still a stigma, despite it being 2020, and despite it being times have changed, and even with a large percentage of marriages ending in divorce. Divorce didn't magically get easier. So, you know the saying, misery loves company. Well, I needed company, because I knew it wasn't going to be easy, and I needed information as to what their experience was. These other divorced parents, I needed to know what did they go through, what things I should try to avoid which you can't really do because every divorce is unique. We don't all have the same things and we all didn't marry the same people or the same types of people. But you can just, you know, you can get a general gist of the overall picture. But I needed something so I could see what would be the worst that could happen. Again, that fear of the unknown, right? So during this time, after being seen talking to people who were getting divorced or already divorced or in the process of separating, the rumor mill started and I was asked questions about my life. They were polite questions, they were really polite questions, but I realized that the, the people I was now talking to was changing and people were making educated guesses as to what was going on in my own life. And it was then that I noticed something that was quite interesting that after people found out about my divorce, that married couples love hanging out with other married couples. And this was something I didn't realize when I was married. And I'm not sure if it's because married people only want to hang out with other married people or they don't want your divorce status to rub off on their marriage. But no one wants to hang with a newly separated or divorced person. And it's strange because that's a time when you need company the most. And it's the time that you're abandoned. So this doesn't make divorcing any easier. And you don't realize all the changes that you'll go through and have to make until you're in the middle of the divorce. So it's no wonder if you look at all of the, what people like to call negatives of divorce, that people become overwhelmed with all of the emotions. How do you handle the changing friends? The family changes? How do you handle starting over? It's a lot. It's a lot. So because of the impact of all of this, it's not hard to get into habits that we adopt to mask the pain, the pain that we're feeling, the emotional pain that, you know, that one glass of wine becomes a bottle of wine. That one bowl of chips becomes a bag of emotional eating chips. And that once in a while retail purchase becomes daily retail therapy. And especially now with COVID, you can shop online with your bag of chips in one hand and your bottle of wine in the other. So we do all these things because we know we're not living in a vacuum. We know other people who've gone through the process and have lost the house, lost custody of the kids and who is one paycheck from living on the streets and you know it could be you. So what do you do in the meantime while you wait for your turn? You self-medicate, you self-diagnose, self-prescribe in some of the forms I mentioned and it's all done to reduce the emotional pain and as with any drug, it will dull the pain while you overindulge but the pain will always return in the morning. Why? Because the pain was covered up and was never dealt with on any real level. And this is when you need to get started with getting help. I must say, had I known that a divorce coach even existed, I would have gotten the help I needed because just being able to speak about what you're going through and your fears about the divorce and just having someone listen without judgment would have been great. And just having someone who could reel me in From all of that emotional talk that I was doing, talking to myself, thinking all the thoughts as I'm driving in the car, not paying attention to what's happening right now because I'm so fixated in thinking, in thoughts. So just as people go to AA meetings and find that talking about their issues as a collective is useful, you know, someone who is going through the same thing as you gives you some sense of peace. And strength because going it alone is hard. It's challenging. So, my AA meeting was with two people my sister and a close friend of mine, who I know were overwhelmed with my daily dialogue of what was going on in my divorce. What did my ex say today? What did my ex do today that made absolutely no sense? And what did my ex have up his sleeve that I could try to anticipate? And I never asked them, not one time, what was going on in their lives because. My issues took precedence. And what I was going through, I thought was bigger than what they were going through. And my divorce was bigger. My emotional state was bigger. So I needed to talk about it every day. And now that I think about it, it was a selfish thing to do. But during divorce, you lose your mind a little. Actually, you kind of lose your mind a lot. And all you can focus on is divorce. All you can focus on is Failure. The marriage is a failure. The kids, you fail the kids. You have no money having to pay child support if you have to pay it. And will you get enough child support to survive on? And the list goes on and on. So you lose empathy to the people that you're talking to as to what they may be going through. And your challenge becomes a bigger deal than anything anyone else is going through. And you can't, you literally cannot talk about anything else. So I kept. My divorce issues, private just between those who I chose to tell and my sister and my close friend. And little did I know that when I would go into the courtroom for the first time, and let me say, when anyone goes into any courtroom and you're the one who's the petitioner or the respondent and you're not just going to watch someone else, you are nervous. And in divorce, you're nervous and emotional. And that's not a fine recipe for anything good to happen. So little did I know that once you see your name on the docket and you walk into the courtroom, that the private life you had hoped would remain private is now open to the public. And so now I know why celebrities seal their divorce proceedings, because when I walked in there, I had no idea that other divorcing couples would also be in the courtroom to hear my case, as well as I would be in the courtroom to hear theirs. I had this notion that each case would be heard individually and to find out that I had to divulge my life in front of strangers as if I was selling my wares in the Jamaican marketplace. It just threw me over the emotional edge. I felt exposed. I felt shame. I felt lost. I could feel the stares of strangers on my back as I told my story, hoping that the judge would hear my emotional story of how my ex was during the marriage and compensate me accordingly but I was hoping only the judge had to hear it, not everyone in the courtroom. So now, how much information would I divulge? Because would the strangers ask themselves, why did she stay so long in this marriage and judge me? That's how self-conscious you become. It was enough that I was already an emotional wreck, so now I had to add shame in there. It was hard to get a solid point out while my emotions were running amok. So just know that before you walk into the courtroom, your emotions have to take a backseat to the facts. You have to get an alter ego to take into the courtroom with you and you can give your alter ego a name so it's not you and your alter ego goes into the courtroom to take care of the business of your divorce and not you with your emotional baggage into the courtroom. So with that said, the only things that can be determined in divorce are assets and parental custody rights. So despite your ex's behavior during the marriage and perhaps them being the reason for the divorce, there is no place to be compensated for that as much as you may wish it. So make sure that your emotions don't follow you into the courtroom where legal battles are waged. So let me say this again. Make sure that your emotions don't follow you into the courtroom where legal battles are waged. You cannot fight a battle in court that the court won't wage. Many of us go into the courtroom with our emotions running wild, hoping that the judge will see the pain and award you for that. And the court is not there to fight a battle you couldn't win that you were actually present for. You were fighting a battle in your marriage. You couldn't win it there. You're not going to win it in court. The court is there only to assess the damage of the divorce, the value of the house, the car, the objects, The 401k, the retirement money, they're not there to talk about how your ex made a fool of you, how your ex treated you, of course, unless there's domestic violence, right? Or the court is not there to say what he should be doing as a father or what she should be doing as a mother. Too many of us go into the court with emotional pain. And as I said before, I did. And I was hoping the judge would see my pain and what I believed my ex did to me and award me for that. And that's what I call wishful thinking there is no compensation for what I was feeling. And the only one who could have helped me was me to change my thinking, understand my past and how it impacted my present. Even during the divorce process, I was hoping the man I had initially married would turn up so that we could resolve our issues and help me emotionally. But he never did. And I waited a long time. And in that time, I could have been working on me working on what my role in the marriage was, work on how I was feeling, work on what I needed to do for me and how that would help me not to react to every little thing he said or did because the work would be mine to do. So it's important to get the help you need during divorce because the process is not easy, but it could be made easier with help. So my daughter always says, future, when she's talking about her work, she says, future Emma will thank Asked Emma for the work she puts in today so you have to put in the work you have to put in the work to help you to make the changes you need to get through this and any other strained time in your life so you can handle all things and not just some things and yes it will seem like an insurmountable leap at the beginning because of the cycle of thoughts whether they're true or not these challenges are challenges that can be undone It just takes diligence and patience. Diligence in putting in the work needed and a ton of patience to get the work done so that you can see the results. And don't worry if you backpedal a little on your way to emotional freedom. We're all human and make mistakes, but learn from your mistakes. Know when you've made a mistake and correct it. For instance, if you've responded to that email to your ex without your filter and regret the outburst, That's a lesson learned. And next time, take at least 24 hours to digest the information, even be mad at it. Then let it sit until you've found the words that are right for you and not the response your ex wants from you. Because sometimes our exes know us so well, they know exactly how you're going to respond and they give you the bait and you take the bait. And what I'm saying is don't take the bait. So learn how to forgive yourself more often as well. Because sometimes I think our being stuck in emotional trauma is our inability to say, I forgive me for doing X, Y, and Z. And saying why the forgiveness is necessary and then letting it go. Because we are sometimes our own worst enemy. And sometimes all it takes is that one triggering word to set you off. But if you know yourself, love who you are, you will know that your ex's words are meant to just awaken the pain in you. So they dictate who you are versus who you actually are. So on that note, next time we'll be talking about communication during divorce because it's closely related to the emotional side of divorce and it can make or break your divorce process. So we'll discuss that in the next episode. So make sure you subscribe so you won't miss the next one. And in the meantime, I can be reached on Instagram at LA Divorce Coach, on Facebook at LA Divorce Coaching, and on my website, com.